We are, uh, speaking of community, we are in a, a series that we kicked off last week talking about relationships and, and talking about uh, just really the skills that we need in relationships. And, and there's kind of a lot of different ways that, that we could say this. I mean, we're talking about the, the, the necessary things that we need in relationships to be able to do them well, to be able to have healthy relationships, to be able to have successful relationships and strong relationships. Or another way that we could talk about this is just what does a healthy community actually look like? I mean, in, in the church, and, and if you're new to church, or you're kind of still thinking about church and that kind of stuff, and you're not kind of familiar with all the language or lingo, that's totally fine. But, but in the church, community is a word that, that gets thrown around a lot. But what does a healthy community actually look like? What does that mean? Or another way we could talk about this is really just what does it mean to love people well? How do we actually love people well? We all have people in our lives, and what does it look like to actually love them well? And so we're spending really kind of July and August talking about these things, the skills that we need in our relationships. And today, I want you to just think about how many people in your life are different from you. Just think about how many people in your life, I'm not talking about out in the world and, and you know, the weirdos you see on TV and stuff. I just mean in your life. Think about how many people are different from you. So many, different, so many different kinds of people. People are different from us in, in relation to how they look. People are different from us in age. People are different from us in just personality traits and, and different ways that we, that we view the world and in parenting choices. I mean, many of you are parents or you're new parents or you're about to be triple or second parents. Um, and, and people parent differently or, or people do relationships differently. And there's so many people that are different from us. A lot of times people talk about differences between men and women, and there's been tons of books written about that kind of stuff, or there's differences between, uh, there's differences between people that grow up in different parts, or there's differences that you have with your friends, and differences that you have with your kids a lot of times even. You might even, especially for those of you that have older kids, and, or even younger kids, you start to be like, man, how, where did they get that? I'm not, I mean, they're so, whose child is this, you know, and they seem so different from me. Uh, differences in your co-workers, but, but all of those different things. I, I just want you to think about all the time, all the time, we're around people that are different from us, that think different from us, that act different from us, that, that view the world differently from us, not just out there, but even in our close relationships. And, and if we're honest, some of our biggest fights come from this. Some of our biggest disagreements and frustrations come from this, especially in relationships, Right? For those of you that are in uh, either dating somebody or a spouse, I mean, so many frustrations and, and, and arguments and disagreements aren't necessarily right and wrong. We might say that, but it's, man, we're just different from each other. And so much conflict in friendships or even in your family, it's just, man, we're different. Uh, so many annoyances come from this and, and fights and, and arguments and, and all of this stuff. But what if we could learn to understand people that are different from us? What if we could learn to, to have good conversations with people that are different from us? What if we could learn even to appreciate uh, those that are different from us and appreciate the differences? I mean, this would be a very important skill in our life if we could learn to begin to engage with people that are different from us. So what, what do we need for this? This is what we're talking about. And, and as we begin, we just have to ask this question, which is, why is learning to be with people different from us so important? Why is learning to be with people different from us so important? We, we know that we are around people that are different from us all the time. We live in a pluralistic society with different beliefs and different opinions and, and all sorts of differences. And we can't control that. You're going to bump into differences, but often, even though this exists, it doesn't mean that it's something that we really view as, hey, this is important to learn, to, to live with. We know it's out there, but, but if we're honest, we still divide often based on uh, our preferences or what we are like. I mean, there, there is certain, I'm not really into sportsy stuff, but there's, uh, there's certain bars, right, that are only for certain group, like, hey, this is a, you know, if, it's usually college stuff, right? Like, this is, a, this is an ASU bar, or this is a, whatever, a California sports bar, whatever stuff, right? <laughs> there's, there's certain bars that we say, hey, I want to be with those that are like me. And there's certain neighborhoods even, right, that you say, man, I bet there's people that live uh, like me in this neighborhood. You may even, when you think about it, the neighborhood that you live in, you might have chosen because you said, hey, I know that there's going to be people like me there. 
Or school preferences that you start, is for those of you that have younger kids, and you start to think about, man, where are we going to send our kids to school? And it might be, well, I know that there's going to be people like us in this school. Or even your job and the culture, and you start to think about, man, I want to be with those like me that think like me. And even hobbies and things that we choose often, or even when you're, for those of you that are dating, right? A lot of times you're looking at the profile of people and you're not, who's different from me? I really want to hang out with them, right? You're looking for those matches. You're looking for those, in, I, I remember a long time ago as a, I had to do it in college um, as for, a, for a class that I was in, I had to fill out an eHarmony profile and it told me I was unmatchable. And I was like, <laughs> sorry, babe. Uh, they were wrong, you know, but, um, but they said I was unmatchable. It was like, you're in the 0.000% that we're sorry. Good luck, you know. Um, but it's like you're looking for people that are like you, right? You're looking for people that are like you. So even though, here's my point, even though we know, hey, we live in a society with differences, we live in a society with people, it doesn't mean that we really say, yeah, we need to know how to do that. At best, we say, okay, if I, if it happens, I can be civil, but we don't really want to be around people that are different from us. But But for Christians, and if you're a Christian, man, for Christians, it's not really an option. It's something that we must deeply learn how to do. It's not something that we can just acknowledge the existence of and say, there's people that are different from us. We as Christians, if you're a Christian, we have to learn how to be around people that are different from us. And that's because the church, God's family, the church is made up of so many different kinds of people. Here's how Paul says it when he writes to the church in Galatia. He says, as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So as many of you became Christians, as many of you became into the family of God. And then look what he says. There's neither Jew nor Greek. And that was really a way of just dividing kind of all the races. is Because the Jewish people, it was them and then basically everybody else. There was Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, this doesn't mean it it takes this away. It doesn't mean if, if you become a Christian, you're no longer a male, you're no longer a female. But he's saying we're all one now. These distinctions, these divisions that we often, that we often hold to, that we often uh, even operate deeply in our value system out of, he says, these distinctions in the family of God are no longer there. And then he, he said, this, this is in Revelation. I'm just kind of giving you a picture of the Bible. Look, look at the end. This is, this is the, Revelation is kind of the book that talks about the end of time. And, and this is a picture of heaven. This is a picture of what heaven is going to be like. He says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that's Jesus, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now look, look at what this saying. It says, look, in the end, everybody's going to be together in, in every tribe and every nation and every language together saying, this is our God, this is our family. And then Paul even talks about this when he writes to the church in Rome. I think this is another kind of diversity or another kind of difference. He says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. See, it's not even just diversity by ethnicity. It's not even just diversity by gender. It's not even just diversity by socioeconomic status, but even diversity in maturity of faith. And Paul says, look, there's some that are weak in the faith and there's some that are strong in the faith. And he's writing to the strong in this particular section and says, welcome the one that's weak. And not to say, hey, come on over. I'd like to talk to you about something, about all the places you're wrong. Not, not, not to welcome them to quarrel over opinions, but to welcome them to say, hey, you're my brother. Now, here's what's really interesting. This is why it's so important in the church to learn to live with people that are different from us. If you would have walked in, if, a couple thousand years ago, if you would have walked into a meeting of the early church, if you would have walked into a meeting, it would have been the weirdest thing you would have ever seen. Nothing like that would have existed anywhere else where you would have walked in and male and female together. They wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been segregated. Male and female together. And, and there would have been several different ethnicities together. 
and there would have been differences in faith maturity, meaning you would have had someone that was a, a, a religious priest or a previous religious priest sitting next to someone that just burned their witchcraft books, and they would be sitting together. And, and you would have people that are speaking different languages together, and you would have somebody that's a slave sitting next to somebody that owned slaves. You would have a weird, it would be the weirdest group. You would, you would have a rich person and you would have, and you would have somebody that kind of walks in in rags. And the Bible even talks about these pictures and, and you would have walked in and everybody would be there eating together and laughing and hanging out and, and talking about the 14ers they were climbing or whatever I mean, they were doing, right? Hey, the Mount of Olives, man. Yeah, I don't know how tall it is, but like, yeah, I mean, be, people would be hanging out. And you would go, what kind of weird group is this? What kind of weird group? Because the family of God. This is, so look, I'm just saying this. Look, we live in a pluralistic society. Different beliefs, different religions, different ethnicities, and that's great. But we still choose often to divide based on our preferences, based on what we are like. But in the church, that's not an option. Because what bonds people together isn't your race. What bonds people together isn't your economic status. What bonds people together is not your personality. What bonds us together, it said, is we are one in Jesus. People coming around Jesus. And back then, it was a really weird thing. And today, it's the same thing. I mean, today, we still divide, right? I remember when I, remember when I lived in Seattle. There was, lived in downtown Seattle and like many areas, kind of, you know, there had been shifts, and then there's kind of leftovers of, of what used to be there. And there was this bar called Kelly's that everyone was like, don't go into Kelly's. You know, don't go into Kelly's. Don't go in. Whatever you do, don't go into Kelly's. I was like, I'm going to go into Kelly's. You know, so I, I wa- walked into Kelly's, cash-only bar. I think it was like 11 a.m., you know, and the place was full. And I walk in, and it's just sort of like a, I mean, I don't know. There was like a... 90-year-old woman behind the bar that was bartending, you know, I think she was like smoking while bartending. It's just kind of a gruff, kind of trucker kind of place that you'd walk into. And when I walked in, I was like, I feel really weird right now. Uh, Really, really weird. And they only, like, I don't know if they had any other drinks except for there was a cooler on top of the bar with PBR in it that they handed out. It's like, this is the weirdest bar I've ever been to, you know. And and it felt weird. And I was like, this isn't my people. You know, I need to go to a cool, trendy bar, not this. And we do that, right? I'm just saying that's in us. There's something, like, I remember walking through that door and feeling eyes on me and me kind of looking at other people too. Like, this is not, I don't belong here. I'm not one of them. So we, I'm just saying we still do that today, right? If you, if for those of you that have kids, you probably don't go to, like, rooftop bars where they're, like, bumping the music, right? I remember my wife and I, when we first came to Denver, we were trying to meet people and, and build relationships, and we went to this uh, group that was, like, meeting up on this, uh, like, rooftop. It was basically, we didn't know it was, like, a club, but it was a club, and everyone's kind of looking at us because we're holding hands, and they're like, I want that, you know, because everyone's there to hook up, and we're like, oh, sorry, unmatchable, yeah, you know, right? But it's, it would be weird, right? Like, any time that we enter into a place where, like, these aren't my people or I'm not like them, that feels weird. Now, let me just say this. Today, even today, the church would have been really weird 2,000 years ago, but today, like if you show up to a community group today, there's not a lot of other places in our city where you're going to see something like that. Where you're going to see even, even just families and people that are single together eating a meal together. Like, wh- what other groups in our city do you come and go, hey, look, these people are friends. There's people that are families and people that are couples and people that are singles and there's different races and there's different economic, and they're in a group together and they're reading the Bible together and they're talking about building friendship together and they're like, you don't see that even today. It is still weird. It is a very weird thing. But in the church, it's not an option. In the church, it's not an option because we're not, we don't have the, 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 the ability to say, I want just to be around people like me. Because God says, this is my family, and I want all different kinds of people in my family. I want all different kinds of people in my family. And so the Bible talks about this all 
the time. So, so here, here's my point on this first thing. It's really important. It's really important for us just living in Denver, just living in, in, in a city, just living in 2018 to know how to engage with people different from us. That's just a life skill that we need. But in the church, it's very important. In the church, it's not something that we can escape. It's, it's a must. It's, it's God's intention. So how, how do we live with those different from us? Well, how, what, how do we actually do with it? What, what, what should our approach be? What, what should our posture be? We can say, okay, it exists. And we can say, yeah, in the church, because God's family is a diverse family of people of all different kinds and all different, all different types of people. B- because of that, man, yes, that's true. But how do we actually how do, we actually do it? And here's, the, here's, here's what's often suggested in the world is as the approach that we deal with differences. It's to say that we need tolerance or to say that we shouldn't be judgmental. Uh, there was an article that I was reading as I was kind of studying through this, and a few years ago, Coca-Cola did a campaign, and uh, I don't know if any of you saw this, I and mean, even if you did, it was three years ago and probably a you know, five-minute video, so you probably don't remember, but it said, Coke put six strangers in the dark. What they saw when the lights came on blew their minds, you know, um, and, and that obviously makes you want to click on it. It's, you know, all that stuff. But they, they brought everybody together, and, I, you know, this is the picture they choose to use because obviously that guy looks different. Um, and they had everybody just kind of have a conversation in the dark. And they have a conversation in the dark, and people kind of like each other, and people sort of get to know each other, and then they turn the lights on. It's like, ah, you know, that guy's freaky. <laughs> Um, or they're next to people of different races that maybe they don't normally get along with. And, there's, and, and, and it starts to lower prejudice. And that's great. I applaud Coca-Cola for, for doing that. I mean, I think that's a, that's, a great, that's a great thing to do. But here's my point. Oftentimes, that's as far as it goes. Oftentimes, that's as far as it goes. Is How do we live with those different from us? Don't be prejudiced. Don't be judgmental. And be tolerant. That's, that's kind of as far as it goes. But the Bible goes much further than that. See, because the Bible says it's really important to learn to live with people different from us because God wants to create a diverse family of all different kinds, which means the way we live with those different from us isn't just tolerance. It's not to just say, okay, not going to judge a book by its cover. Okay, that's kind of how you look. Cool. I guess, you know, you're not so weird after all. That's not it. It's to go much further than that. Here's how Jesus begins to set some of this up. He, he says, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And, and like in our day back then, the tax collectors were the worst people ever. And um, not really. If you work for the IRS, it's okay. Um, and he says, and if you greet, listen to this, if you greet only your brothers. Look how just basic. If you greet the people you say hello to, the people you talk with. The people you say hi to, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. He's talking to Jewish people. He says, look, if you greet only your brothers, look, if, so here's where the Bible begins to move us. It's not just tolerance. It's not just don't be judgmental. It's not just don't have prejudice. He says, who is it that you actually move towards? Who is it that you actually love? Who is it that you actually greet and, and say hello to? And, and even further than that, Paul says in the, in the church in Rome, he says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. See, it's not just supposed to be a, I don't judge you. It's a welcome. It's I actually bring you into my life. It's an actual, hey, you are over here and you're different from me. And I'm saying, like, I, I bet, and I didn't do a bunch of follow-up research on this, but I bet from the Coca-Cola commercial, I bet that a bunch of those people aren't friends now. They had a moment in the dark and then in the light where they said, oh, tattooed faces aren't so weird people after all. But they probably didn't say, hey, you want to come over for Thanksgiving dinner? Hey, do you want to go camping with me? Hey, do you want to be friends now? See, who cares if you're not judgmental? Who cares if you're not prejudiced? Who cares if you're very tolerant? Jesus says, look, that's, that's, not, that's not very far. Who do you greet? Who do you welcome into your life? Or a word that the Bible often uses for this is hospitality. Paul says in this same letter, he says, seek to show hospitality. 
seek to show hospitality. Now, this is a really important word that the Bible talks about a lot, but what do you think about when you think about hospitality? If you just kind of throw it into Google images, the, the top kind of images that often come up is, is this. It's this kind of nice dinner. And by the way, I've never been at a dinner where someone brought out a dish and everyone just clapped. But I guess I haven't been at very good dinner. I just love that. But, uh, you know, st that's stock images for you. But, but this is what we often think about with hospitality, right? A nice dinner party and the extra touches, the flowers and the, and the lights. And we go, man, that, that person's really good at hospitality. Or that was very hospitable. Or we even call it the hospitality industry which is like the service industry where you go in and people are caring. That, that's what we think of when we think of hospitality. But in actuality, what the word hospitality means, it's xenophilia, which means the love of strangers. It means the love of strangers. That's what it actually means. And, and if you put stranger into Google images, this is what comes up. And that's not, like if we think about hospitality... Which one do we think about? Not usually this, right? But I think this is actually a great picture of stranger because it's someone you don't know. You, you, don't, you can't really see them. You can't really see what they're like. You don't really know what's going on in there. It's kind of mysterious. It's kind of scary. It's kind of intimidating. This comes up with stranger now also, um, which is, a, yeah, you know, applause for this. But even this, like, think about this, right? Strange, like, it's this, like, you know, cool you know, a sci-fi horror TV show, and we call it Stranger. I remember my mom's visiting in town, and I remember when I was thinking about this, I remember when we were kids, my mom would tell us uh, this scary story, uh, like good mothers do, and um, she, <laughs> and it was this story, it was from like a scene from a movie, I don't know if we knew it was from a movie at that point, but, um, but there's like a babysitter that's watching kids, his babysitter is watching kids, and she gets a weird phone call. It's like, ah, you're, you're, I see your kids or something. And she hangs up, and like, oh, they're, they're still sleeping or something. She hangs up, and it's like, I'm going to kill you or whatever. She hangs up, and then eventually she calls the police, and they trace the call. And they, the call is coming from inside the house, you know. And that's the scary punchline. And you know what the movie was called? When a Stranger Calls. It's like, what's the worst thing that could ever happen? Let's name a horror movie a stranger is calling you. A stranger's in your house. We just call that community group. Like, that's what we call it <laughs> when a stranger is in your house, you know. But, but the Bible says, the, a word it often uses is hospitality, which is love of strangers. Think about that, though. A stranger, we teach our kids, like, stranger danger. We have something that rhymes with it, right? Stay away from people you don't know. Stay away from people that aren't like you. And the Bible actually says we're supposed to be hospitable, which means we're supposed to love the stranger. You see, how do we live with those different from us? It's got to go so much further beyond I'm not prejudiced. So much further beyond I'm not judgmental. So much further beyond I tolerate your existence. How we are supposed to live with those different from us, what Jesus says, what the Bible says, what Paul says, is we are supposed to welcome them into our life. We are supposed to love the stranger, pursue the stranger, greet the stranger. And this is difficult for us because we often think, even and if you're a Christian, we, and I don't think this is just Christians, but we often have a picture of what healthy community is, of what healthy relationships are. And see, if you were to go into Google Images and type in community, this is kind of the most common image that pops up. Something like this. And sometimes it's real people, but, but if you just type in community to Google Image, something like this is what comes up. And this is what we think of when we think of community. Certain qualities that we want to be inside of this circle. So you might say, man, I want a community where people love each other. I want a community where people uh, are kind to each other, where community help each other. Something like that, you might say. There's certain qualities within, but there's a circle without. We say, this is community. Or even if you're to type in kind of Christian-y sounding words like fellowship or something like that, same thing. They just are holding hands and praying. You know, their head's tilted. If you're a Christian, your head goes like that. That's the difference, right? Not, not a Christian, Christian. There you go. <laughs> and they're all the same color, right? So you put your head down. Um, and it's that same thing. It's this, these are, these are, this is, this is what healthy community is. It's a circle. 
A healthy community is a closed circle. We even use this language, right? My circle of friends. My circle of friends. And what is that to say? That's to say other people can't come in. See, often our picture of healthy community is we want these qualities here, and then we want to form a tight, close group. And a tight, close group becomes a tight, closed group. Where we say, this is what community is. But in the Bible, healthy community is much different. Even if you go back to the beginning when the church was first starting, you get some of these beautiful pictures where it says, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. But listen to this. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's not a closed circle. To say day by day, God added people to their number. Like for those of you that have kids, think about how difficult that would be if day by day you had a new kid. Like that, that messes things up a little bit, right? It gets kind of complicated. But even just, you know, I mean, that's a silly example. But even just think about your, if you're in a community group, you, you start to form a close circle. And if day by day or week by week, new people are joining. I mean, look at, I mean, it's, they're in their homes. Like, it can sound really cool to say day by day, new people got at it, but they're in their homes, and they're breaking bread, and they're glad, and they're generous. What do you think it does to that dynamic if every single day somebody new walks in? I mean, you know that starts to mess stuff up. It starts to make things difficult. But this is what the Bible gives as a healthy picture of community. The Christians, the early Christians, were even criticized for this. This is, a, this is from an early uh, church uh, letter. This was kind of an opponent to Christianity. And he says, hardly have they even met when they love each other. Indiscriminately, they call each other brother and sister. This was kind of this opponent of Christianity saying, as soon as they meet someone, they call them brother. As soon as they meet someone, they call them sister. Day by day, people are being added. And, and there, there's no discrimination. They just say, you're my brother, you're my sister. See, the early church was even famous for, for this. How do we live with those different from us? It's got to be more than tolerance. It's got to be more than not being judgmental. What the Bible actually says is we are to welcome people into our life, to love the stranger. And let me go back to this. It doesn't even just say be hospitable. It says seek to show hospitality. That's a powerful word because it doesn't just mean, hey, if it, fall, if it comes to you, if it kind of falls on your lap and you get the opportunity, be a hospitable person. If a stranger walks up to you, love them. It actually says seek to love the stranger. Seek to love the stranger. See, this is how we are supposed to love those and live with those different from us. It isn't supposed to be a passive thing. It's supposed to be a very active approach where we pursue people that are different from us. We pursue those that are different from us. We plan to build relationships with those that are strangers. We plan to build relationships with people outside of our circle. We pursue people that are outside of our circle. We make life choices. We make choices in our life where we say, I am going to structure my life in such a way that I welcome people into my life that are outside of it right now. That becomes a lot harder than don't judge, doesn't it? It's a lot harder than just, hey, don't be scared when the lights are on. That's a great first step. But to be able to say, I am choosing, I am seeking to bring people into my life that are right now strangers. That's what the Bible actually calls us to. I mean, what if, what if we had that posture? What if, what if that was our posture towards people that were new, that were strangers? What if that was our posture towards people that are different from us? Now that's hard, right? That's hard. So what can help us? What can help us? Because this is not an easy thing. I mean, I, I know in my own life, this is hard. I, mean, I know these verses, and I know, but I mean, it's a hard thing to bring strangers into your life. 
it's a hard thing to bring people outside of your family into your family. That is a difficult and hard thing. And some of you have felt that. Maybe you've tried to do this, and maybe you've wanted to live this way. And, and there's all sorts of reasons it's difficult. Some of us are just busy, right? Not some of us. All of us are busy. All of us are busy. So it's hard to say, how do I go outside of this circle of friends that I have when I'm supposed to also love strangers and bring them in and welcome them in? I, I don't even have time for the people next to me. Or sometimes it's hard because it's like, what do I say? I don't, you know, it's, that's kind of the hoodie image, right? Where it's like, you don't, you don't know them. You don't see them. What do you say to a demogorgon, you know, if you're trying to build relationship with them? It, it's often is difficult to approach conversation. If you've known people for years, if you have a tight circle, you, you can fall back on that. But what do you say to people that are strangers? We're busy. We don't know what to say. Sometimes it's just the energy that it takes to do that, or, or we fear maybe I'll be rejected. Maybe I'll, I'll reach out to them and they won't want me. They think I'm a stranger. So it's hard. It is really hard. It is really difficult, which is why one of the things that the Bible even says when it talks about hospitality, Peter says this, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And I, I love that verse. He, he doesn't go into detail about, you know, what that means or how not to do that, but, but I just love it because it, it implies it's hard. It implies that our tendency is going to be to say, oh gosh, people different from me. This is difficult. They don't speak the same language I do. They don't, and I'm not even just talking like, uh, you know, actual language, but we just don't talk in the same way. We just don't understand things the same way. We just don't see things the same way. It's hard. And so our tendency is to grumble. Our tendency is to just say, this is uncomfortable, and so I don't want to do it. So we need help. Now, look, th- this is true. This is true with, if, if you are, um, let me kind of pull together two of these things. This is true if you're somebody that is saying, hey, how do I welcome strangers into my life? But, but to kind of go to the bigger question even, it's true with just people that are different from you, like your spouse or your kids, to say, how, how do I, how, how can I live with someone different from me that thinks and feels and acts and sees things different from me? How, how, do, I, how do I do that? So I, I want to just give us some helps for our heart as you think about building relationships with people that are different from us. It's something that we are called to do. And some of us already have people in our lives that are very different from us. So what can, what can help us? And, and I want to go through a handful of things. First is, as we, as we looked at last week, everybody is made in the image of God. It says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And there's so much truth that can be drawn from this verse things that we talked about last week, things we talked about when we talked about work. I mean, so much can be drawn from this verse. But you, but you know what it means that can help us as we think about living with people different from us? You know what it means is oftentimes it really is hard to talk to people that you don't know. Oftentimes it's really hard to talk to people that you don't know or that are different from you in some way. But here's what it means that you're made in the image of God. You are endlessly interesting. Something of God has been imprinted on you. Something of who God is and what God is like has been imprinted onto you. And not just you, but the people next to you. So what that means is people are endlessly interesting. Now, I know it doesn't always seem like that. I know it doesn't always feel like that when you're, you know, it's sometimes you're trying to talk to somebody and the conversation isn't going anywhere. And I know it doesn't always feel like that. I'm not saying that. But if the Bible's true and people are made in the image of God, that means something of God has been imprinted upon every single person you meet. C.S. Lewis has a, a book where he talks about in, when we get to heaven, it, there's going to be something, you'll see people for who they really are, and, and, and we will be, and, and he's not saying this is actually what's going to happen, but he's just talking about this idea that we, we would be even tempted to worship each other if we saw who we really are, because there's something of God imprinted on each person. Now, what that means is people are endlessly interesting, and a lot of times, if we're honest, we're lazy. Like we start to talk to people and it's like, oh, 
you don't like my team? Okay. Or you don't like to talk about what I like to talk about? Okay. But what if we really believed, man, this person is like God in some way? That means there's treasures to uncover. That means there are things about each person that are there. Look, you know this about yourself, probably, that you are endlessly interesting. Most of us think that we are endlessly interesting. That's why we take photos of ourselves, right? We need all the different angles to be seen so people can appreciate all of them. But you know that your opinions are, I mean, you don't think you're a dumb, boring person, probably. You think, man, I've got a take on life that's interesting. And, man, I've got some opinions about, I mean, you, you know that even, even if you're the shyest person, you don't express it. And you, you probably know, man, I, I feel deeply about some things. And I think some stuff about stuff. And I, I mean, and I do some stuff about doing stuff, you know. You, you, you're an interesting person. If you need a self-esteem boost, here it is. You're interesting, you know. But you know that. I'm just saying that each person is made in the image of God, which means there's something of God imprinted on people. Which here's what this means. We just got to get better at getting to know people. I see, part of what can help us live with people different from us is if we say, if we just go into relationships knowing there's something about God in this person. That's going to make you want to ask deeper questions. It's going to want to make you move beyond just, hey, how's it going? Hey, where do you work? Okay, but maybe how did you choose your job? Well, what do you like about your job? What's hard about your job? And I'm not saying you play 20 questions and just like grill people. But, but you look for, I was talking to somebody last week, and we were talking and just chit-chatting in the weather and this and that or whatever. And it's okay. I'm not saying that's bad. But then people start to uncover, you kind of just can hit on some things of like, oh man, that person comes alive when you start to talk about this. For this person, it was outdoor ovens. And it was great. Started talking about outdoor ovens and the different temperatures that you need to make. And, that. and we started talking for, about that for five minutes. And I'm not saying like, yes, that's the image of God, outdoor oven. I mean, it, it, it is, but I'm just saying, look, people are interesting. And if you stop at just like, okay, this conversation isn't going anywhere. Maybe we just got to go, man, what's on this person's heart? How can I get closer to understanding who they are? What's important to them? This begins to help us. The second thing that, that begins to help us is the fact that we're all sinners. And we looked at this verse last week also. I'm not going to only repeat the verses from last week, but here we go. Um, it says, there's no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is really helpful in getting to know people. It's really helpful in getting to know people because here's what, here's what the doctrine of sin means. Here's what the doctrine that there's no distinction, you and me are sinners. Here's what it means. We are more alike than we are different. You and me are more alike than we are different. And not just generically in that we share a common humanity or whatever. We're more alike than we are different when it comes to our issues. You see, oftentimes what makes building relationships difficult is people are sinners. And that gets expressed in ways that makes relationships difficult. So we say, man, they're not a good listener. And we get upset. Or, man, they're kind of, I remember talking to someone once that was just uh, saying something about a friend of mine and saying, man, they're kind of, I feel like, overbearing. Or they're kind of, I feel like, really. And I was like, I, you don't, like, okay, guess you are too. I don't know if you know that. But there's often in our relationships, what makes it difficult is, oh man, they're so lazy or they're impatient or they're whatever it might be. I mean, we can go down the list of the things that we don't like about each other. And it often go, what, what that does is we go, okay, I don't, I don't want relationship with them because it's difficult. But what the Bible says is this, we are all sinners, which means this, we're more alike than we are different, which means the seeds Maybe not, maybe not full bloom of whatever it is, or maybe it's taken a different shape, but the seeds, the seeds of sin, the same sin is in your heart that's in the other person. So you might look at someone and go, man, I feel like they just talk about themselves too much. That seed's in your heart too. Maybe you don't talk about yourself a lot, but maybe, maybe that seed of boasting comes out in something else. And we are more alike then we are different. See, this is what often hinders our relationships is, is there's something about people that bothers us. There's something about people in their sin that we say, I don't like this. They're judgmental. They're, they're boasting. They're, they're not very caring. They're not very thoughtful. They're impatient. They're lazy. Whatever it might be. 
But when we begin to understand, you know what? That might be true, but if I'm honest, I can see that in myself also. Maybe it doesn't always take the same shape. Maybe it doesn't always take the same form. But, I mean, you, you might get upset that someone lies to you about something or deceives you about something. But really, you've never done that? I, there's a verse, in, and I only just thought of this now. I didn't even bring, bring it up here. But in Ecclesiastes, where he says not to listen too carefully to other people's conversations because you might hear them say something bad about you. But then it says, but come on, haven't you said something bad about somebody? So it's like even, man, gossip can destroy relationships, right? And I'm, I'm, gossip's bad. It's evil. Don't do it. I'm not pro-gossip. But, come on, you haven't gossiped about anybody? So if you find out a friend was gossiping about you, and you just say, forget it, it's over. Really? So what if they found out all the time? What if everybody in the world found out all the times that you had said something about them? How many friends would you have? None. <laughs> Sorry. That's just true, right? <laughs> Hey, me neither, right? Because that's like, that's why the Bible says that. It says, look, don't, we are more alike than we are different. And this might be encouraging to you if you're someone that has a a good self-awareness where you know your sin. Not everybody does. But if you feel like, man, I know my sin. Sometimes people that feel that, they feel I should exclude myself from community. Sometimes, look, if you're somebody that knows your sin, you know what you're like, and you know what you've done, and you, you might feel, I should keep myself from community. But this is a beautiful truth that says there's no distinction. You, you might just be more self-aware than other people. But we're all sinners. See, this helps us to live with people different from us because it starts to say we're actually more alike than we are different. We're actually more similar in the things that most frustrate us. The third thing that can help us is to remember that God is the creator of each person. It's not just that we're made in the image of God. It's not just that God has imprinted something of himself upon us, but God designed you. God formed you. God shaped you. Here's how Deuteronomy says this. It says, talking about God, is not he your father who created you? who made and established you. Or or listen to how Isaiah says it. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. It's this very intimate language saying God formed you and shaped you. God designed you. That's a beautiful thing. Again, if you're somebody that looks at yourself, maybe even in the mirror and says, I hate that I look like that. It says God formed you and shaped you. And maybe there's certain personality traits that you have, and you go, I wish I wasn't like that. God designed you. God made you. He shaped you like clay. You ever played with Play-Doh? And you, I know that's not clay if you're like an artist, and you're like, oh, that's not the same thing. But kind of is. And if you, if you, if you shape it, that's a very intimate experience with your hands where you are making it into something. It says that's what God does. That's what God did to design you. You are not an accident. God made you. But you know what that means in relationships? What if we believe that about the other person that annoys us? I'm not talking about sin right now. I'm just saying, what if you believe that about the person that annoys you in certain ways? These authors say it like this. I love this. They say, "Do do you secretly wish that your boyfriend was a little more physically attractive? Do you get frustrated because your friend is not as intellectual as you are? Maybe conversations are difficult. Are you doing all you can to make that mechanical person more relational? Do you wish your shy wife could learn to be the life of the party? Are you trying to turn that well-organized planner into a more spontaneous person? Have you tried your best to turn that bookworm into an athlete like yourself? Are you frustrated because someone near you has no head for details or can live with clutter or is too much of an extrovert or is way too silly for your liking? Does it bother you that your husband has gotten bald so young? I'm so young. <laughs> or, or that your wife is prematurely gray? Do you get frustrated because you are so completely different from someone close to you? See, this isn't just in building new relationships, but, but isn't it true that so often the things that bother us, the things that frustrate us about other people is actually how God made them. It's actually how God designed them. It's actually how God formed them, both their strengths and their weaknesses. And for those of you that are married, this, 
this, I mean, for me has been super helpful to go, man, there's nothing wrong with this. This is how God made this person. There's nothing wrong. It might be different from me, but is that the judge of what's right and wrong? Yes. No, I'm just, no, of course not. God is the creator that fashioned and formed people. See, a lot of times in our relationships, it's difficult. But what would happen if we really began to say, God's the creator. So we no longer have to make everyone into our image. But we remember God made them. God designed them. And then I I really enjoy this one that the Bible says, specifically linking it to hospitality or loving the stranger. It says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. This is a good word because maybe some of you have done this and now you've neglected to do it. Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And now it's drawing back on some stories in the Old Testament where some different people had visitors that came to them and they showed hospitality to them. They made a meal for them and they, and they loved them and they, and they served them. They, they showed love to strangers and it turns out they were actually messengers from God. And it's not saying that that's necessarily going to happen. It's not saying, hey, that person might be an angel. Make sure during the meet and greet next time you talk, they could be an angel. It's not necessarily saying that, but it's just saying you never know what unexpected surprise, what unexpected blessing that God might do in your life if we neglect strangers. One of my closest friends, one of my closest friends, the first time I met him, I was rude. And I didn't want to talk to him because he was a stranger. I was just like, ah, I've got enough friends. I've got enough people in my life. I don't, I don't need another, I don't really. So I, was, I wasn't like a jerk, but I was just like, yeah, hi, how's it going? And, I, and he was like trying to interact with me. And I was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I got things to do now, buddy. And if I had missed out on that, Man, I, it, there's so many different laughs and so many different memories and so many different conversations that I would miss out on. And that's part of what that verse is saying is don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. You don't know the unexpected blessings, the unexpected good that God might do in your life. It's so easy to form this close circle of friends and close it off and think we're good. And it says, look, you, God might be bringing so much blessing into your life if you were able to just welcome the stranger. And love the stranger. And then the last one is this. What can begin to help us is to remember how Jesus welcomed us. To remember how Jesus welcomed you and I. Here's how Paul says this. He says, remember that you were, talking about in, in in our life of sin before, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Look, if you're a Christian, remember there was a day that you were separated. You were outside of the circle of Christ. Alienated. That means separated. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, which was God's family and God's people. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, if we want to grow in loving the stranger, if we want to grow in in being with people that are different from us and welcoming them into our life, Paul says, remember, remember. Remember at one time you had no hope. Remember at one time that you you were separated from God, but Jesus welcomed you into his family. Remember at one time you were a stranger. He brought you in. Remember that you were without God and he brought, that you were far off. He brought you near. You see, what we need to help us in our hearts, not to grumble, not to just say, man, hospitality is hard or being with people different from us is hard or what we need ultimately. Yes, we need to know people are made in God's image and we're more alike than different because we're all sinners and that, and that man, God is the creator that makes people and unexpected blessings might come into our life. But, but we need to know this. You were a stranger, and God brought you in. You were far from him, and he brought you near. Not because of anything special in us. Not because we earned it. Not because we deserved it. We were without hope. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the blood 
Because Jesus came to this world saying, I want to welcome people into my family. And I'm willing to die to create a diverse family. I'm willing to die to bring people to myself. I'm willing to die to bring the stranger and make them a friend. So this is the family that God wants. This is the family that God paid with his own blood to create. We are around people different from us all the time. We're around people different from us all the time. We're called to welcome, in, welcome them into our family, to love them, pursue them. What if, we, what if we grew in that? What would happen if you and I grew in saying, I'm going to pursue people and welcome people the way God welcomed me? You know what happened? There'd be a lot less frustration if we actually appreciated differences. There'd be a lot deeper connections that are made with people. And we would actually look like God's family more and more. So, so here's what this means. Here's what it means. Just for us as a, as a church, here's what it means. I, I want to just ask you, and, and I say this often, but I want to ask you to, this phrase is a phrase we use here, is to not just be friendly, but to give friendship. Don't just be friendly. Don't just be non-judgmental. That's not our highest aspiration. Don't just be friendly, but give friendship. The Christian community is supposed to be open circle, not closed circle. Don't just be friendly, but give friendship and give friendship to a variety of people. Don't just look for the people that are like you. Let's, let's pursue, let's seek to show hospitality and let's Ask God to use these things that we looked at to help our hearts, both in new relationships and in the relationships you have. This is the kind of family God wants us to experience. It's the kind of family that if you're new, um, that we want for you. If you're new and you're just checking out this church, we want that for you. We want you to experience God's welcome. And we want people different from us not to just be a thing that we have to do because of this society we live in, but that's something that we actually are changed to want to be a part of because it reflects God's heart. So would you pray with me as we close our time? Father, thank you that you wanted us in your family, that you care about creating a diverse family in every kind. And you want us to be bonded and bound by you, nothing else. So I thank you, God, that though we were strangers and had nothing to offer, you, you pursued us. You didn't just not judge us, you pursued us. You brought us in near to you because of your death on the cross and your resurrection giving us this life with you. So I thank you for that, God. And I pray you would make our church a family that welcomes people as you have welcomed us. 